AI is the hottest topic in the world. ChatGPT, the poster company of generative AI, is trending in searches every single day. And what that means for you is this. The time to embrace AI technology is now because automation helps us to do more with less while continuing to meet and exceed business expectations. It's like magic. And if you haven't tried HubSpot's new AI features, you should do that. Content Assistant and ChatSpot are two brand new tools that will immediately save you and your team's time. HubSpot's features run on ChatGPT's tech to help you make compelling content and manage your CRM way faster than before. We're talking writing ad copy, data analytics, workflow automations, all with a chat command. So work smarter, not harder, and find out more about how to use AI to grow your business at HubSpot.com slash artificial intelligence. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey, friends, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here. And today in the guest chair, I have Mignon Francois. She is a number one national bestselling author, entrepreneur, and renowned baker who has inspired millions on her journey of going from drowning in debt to building a multi-million dollar cupcake empire, the Cupcake Collection. She leveraged $5 and turned it into a legacy with over 5 million cupcakes sold. Her grassroots story of success has garnered national attention from today with Hoda and Jenna, Southern Living, Entrepreneur and Business Insider, to name a few. And she is also the author of Made from Scratch, Finding Success Without a Recipe, where she shares her story of finding success with no presets in place. Mignon is a sought after speaker and is committed to equipping and empowering people to change the trajectory of their lives. In today's episode, you'll hear her journey from hating the kitchen to starting her business out of her own home with a dorm-sized refrigerator to now owning a cupcake empire. Let's get right into it. Welcome, welcome to the guest chair, Mignon. I'm so excited to have you and Thanks to learn more about me. the cupcake collection. Yep, I've been I've been watching your podcast. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. I'm a fan. fan. I am very excited. (laughs) When you, you know, Mignon, not many people get through to me via email pitch. I got to tell you. these days like I, uh, we won't get into that but your email you know your team's email immediately intrigued me I was like oh my gosh who is this I've never you know I haven't come across the cupcake collection yet but now I know yes and I want to know given your background right I, I understand you weren't even a baker you weren't even a fan of the kitchen so no, why no. cupcakes when did you why did you start this business yes <laughs> I, I was not good in the kitchen I burned the bread and here we are 17 <laughs> years later this is my life and the recipes belong wow. to me I was living in mm. my house with no electricity on a regular basis running water was something that we often had to go to the Kroger around the corner to purchase in order to fill up the tub. We had this little 
um, yeah. burner thing outside of our back door that we could warm the water up with when the electricity was out so that our children could take warm wow. baths. Um, and that was that was common in our household. When I was listening to the radio and a man said you could get out of debt by having a bake sale or a garage sale. Well, I knew I couldn't have a garage sale because we sold everything we had to get to Nashville. So it's going to have to be a bake Mm -hmm. sale. Problem is, I don't know how to bake, not even out of a box. (laughs) But I had these two daughters (laughs) who were really, really loved me in the kitchen. Both of them we thought one would be a homemaker and the other one would go to college to be uh, a chef. That's, that's what we thought and believe to be true. And so I went to them with my idea. And as soon as we got started on on our idea, my oldest daughter let me know, mom, I'm not really interested in your little bakery idea. So I'm going back home to New Orleans. Gotta love the honesty. (laughs) (laughs) She was going back home to New Orleans where we're from. And so without her, mm-hmm. the youngest daughter wasn't interested. So I had put a sign outside of our home that said bakery coming soon. And I believed that meant that everybody saw it. And I believe that's what it took to tell the world that I was going to be opening up a business. So I ah, do what I say I'm going to do. And so, yes, <laughs> I be- I, I'm a person who keeps my word. And so I believed, well, I guess I got to learn how to bake. And so that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I started I started with my grandmother, a telephone call to my grandmother because she was my favorite baker and maker. She taught me how to cook long distance when I was 17 over the phone. And so I was like, I'm just going to do what I've done before. I'm going to call grandma and I'm going to get this recipe and that's going to be what it is. And my grandma was like, but I don't have any recipes. <laughs> and I, she would make from her soul, you know, be a pinch of this, a yes. little bit of that. But I feverishly wrote like my life depended on it, what my grandmother was saying. And after we hung up the phone, she told me, call me back if you need to. My mother would only give me five minutes to talk to my grandmother because that's what she could afford because long distance back in those days wasn't unlimited. You know, we, we used to have right. to, pay have to pay by the that. minutes. And so my me and my grandmother would talk really quickly in order for me to get the instructions. Yeah. And so coming 17 years later into my own kitchen, we knew how to do this. And so she said, call me back. And so I wrote down everything she said, and I made my first unsuccessful attempt to make a cake. And then I went back again and I studied what she had said. And there in my kitchen, I had mm-hmm. this aha moment. Every stupid thing that you've ever had to do is taking you from where you are to where you want to be. And I had gone to Xavier University studying to become a doctor. I had to change my major and move schools because I was flunking out of my science classes because I couldn't apply the science to the human body. And so here in my kitchen, it really? all means It sense. wasn't clicking for you. Right. In my, in my, here in my kitchen, 17 mm. years later, it all made sense. Oh, this is chemical reacting. It's just flour, sugar, butter, and eggs. That I understood. And then I began to realize that I could manipulate ingredients to get what I wanted out of them. And I began to write my recipes from that day forward. Thank you. 
Isn't that so interesting that you were a science person in terms of that's what you wanted to do and you just said, you know what, bacon's not for me because I'm about becoming a doctor. But then those same principles that you were trying to learn all of a sudden, it made sense (laughs) when applied in a different format. And it is all science. There's so much of life that's all science. Baking is science. I'm curious though, how did you get from New Orleans to where where you were in that moment like yeah. what prompted those kind of moves and that level of financial um near foreclosure yeah so we had we had always known that we wanted to move around so when we got married i got okay. married very young we being you and your husband yeah mm-hmm. i got married really young yeah. i got married two weeks after my 20th birthday so i was 19 engaged that and is young. I only yeah. knew my husband four weeks before he asked me to marry him. And we were married three months later. What? And so I, <laughs> we, 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 he liked that. What my, did your family have to say about that? Um, my, my mother <laughs> and father knew that I was a child that was going to do what I wanted to do. So they mm-hmm. decided to support me, even though they really weren't on board with it but they supported it because that's what I wanted to do. And in the end, I wish that my parents had held me down, kicking and screaming. (laughs) But, you know, (laughs) nothing is wasted. Not even even Mm -hmm. a bad decision in a marriage. Nothing is wasted. So we always knew that we wanted to move around. We, We had moved to Houston shortly after we got married. Then we moved back to New Orleans, and then we moved to... We moved back to Texas again, and then we were in Atlanta before we came to Nashville. And then when you started with the materials, what was that initial investment? Because when I think of like legit baking, Mm -hmm. I think of that big, expensive stand mixer. I think of those kind of (laughs) materials, especially if you're about to do this on a business level. Mm -hmm. So what was that expense for you? I think that I was totally naive. And that's what I hope that your listeners will hear, that... All you have is all you need to get you from where you are to where you want to be. I was just like you. I believed I needed this big, gigantic commercial refrigerator. I thought I needed all these commercial mixers. But it was the health inspector (laughs) who came into the house to check on me because we had been working for two years every day like it was a job and the store still hadn't opened. And he said, I needed to come over here and check on you and see if there's anything I can do to help you get to the finish line so you can open your store. And he just was wow, going the around. Health inspector said the this. health inspector said this. So he's going around looking at my stuff, checking to see where I was in the progress. And he sees a dorm size refrigerator against the wall. And he said, Is this the refrigerator you're using mm-hmm. to open? And I said, No. Like, clutching my pearls. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, knowing I didn't have money for anything, right? He said, Will it keep temperature? Yeah, yep. And will it hold all the ingredients that you need, even if you have to go to the store more than once a day? And I said, yes. So he goes and he writes some more things down on a piece of paper and he hands me an open sheet and tells me to open whenever I like. And I open the cupcake collection with really? a dorm size refrigerator and a KitchenAid mixer because that's what I had. Look at that. That's what you had. 
Now, wait, you said you said something. You said two years. It was two taking years. you two years mm-hmm. to open. What was yes. going on in those two years that, you know, why was it taking that long? Battling with the lights being on and off. Battling with trying to make ends meet. When I started this out, I yes. didn't know it was going to be a business that was going to thrive. I didn't know I was going to be putting people through college and letting people start careers and build careers and climb corporate ladders with me. I wanted field trip money for my daughters. <laughs> my oldest daughter was going <laughs> to the 12th grade. She needed senior Dupes money. I wanted my kids to have what all the rest of the children mm-hmm. had. And I was a stay-at-home mom. So this was my idea to be able to do my due diligence to help make the ends meet in our household. I just wanted field trip money when I started out. So coming wow. to what it has been has just been laying yap, as we say in New Orleans. It's just been the extra. And I promised God if he would make me mm-hmm. successful, I'll tell anybody who will listen about what they can do if they believe. You think you need big bunches of loans and, you know, a whole bunch of experience under your belt. I had no experience. I didn't know how to, how to bake. I was losing the house where the cupcake collection exists today. On the day that I opened the store, it was set to be foreclosed within a month. And I opened that store believing if God is who he says he is, he can do what he says he can do. And here we are, all these years later, I own that property now. I was able to yep. c- create a trust for my grandchildren to leave it to them so that as a I could be considered a good a good woman or a good person in the eyes of God who leaves an inheritance to their children's children. Mm. Woo, what a testimony. And I love what you said there about the trust. All right. Are y'all paying attention? So she went from her almost on her last, almost being foreclosed to now having a trust. Not just, you know, people say, oh, I'm going to leave this to my kids. They don't got nothing in place. <laughs> no, you got a trust in yes. place. Okay. Yeah. You got your financial ducks, wealth planning and effect mm-hmm. so important lesson for us all yeah and it was for, it was only five dollars that i had when i started it, when my neighbor knocked yeah. on the door and asked me to make cupcakes for all of her clients i was mm-hmm. sitting in the house with yeah. no electricity on that day because i couldn't afford it so i would sit in the house in the dark during the day and then i would turn the generator on to make the lights come up when my children got out of school so she asked me why I was sitting in the dark. And I said, because I'm meditating. And she, she believed me. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> she yeah, believed me and yeah. didn't ask any but more she, questions. So she saw that sign. Yeah. So someone saw the sign on your, your front door. <laughs> <laughs> My neighbors believed in this place. Yeah. So when you had, you know, just to make sure people understand the story, your mm-hmm. story. So, you know, you had, you were down to your last five or what have you, but you used what mm-hmm. you had. And you got the ingredients, uh, I'm assuming $5 mm-hmm. worth, or maybe you, you yes, know, I got $5 worth of ingredients. $5 worth. Okay. And then started from there. So when yeah. you made your first batches and they were bad, were you still selling something in order to reinvest into the business? Like, how did it grow from there? 
So when I made my first my first list of ingredients, that's not the five dollars I'm talking about. When okay. I was practicing in my kitchen before this, ah. that was in the beginning of the two years. I was practicing okay. in my kitchen before I ever before anyone ever even knew that I would have something. I started going out into the community saying as they would tear down one house and build up 15, I would stop those real estate agents and say, hi, I'm a young Francois. I live in the house across the street. See the sign bakery coming soon just to build the rapport that they knew that I wasn't asking them to buy from somebody who was just some Mm -hmm. person off the street who was scamming them. Mm -hmm. I would ask them if they would taste what I was testing. And so I would give them a cupcake or give them something I made and they would come and knock on my door and ask me for more. And those people began to be my first customers. And those were the people who were with me for the two years. I would make cupcakes, I'd buy a spoon. I would make cupcakes, I would buy a bowl. I would always use something to increase my wheelhouse. I would always use something to increase my storage so that I would be able to one day open up this business. Because I didn't have any credit. I didn't have any money. So I was going to have to bootstrap everything. It was that neighborhood knocked on the door while I was sitting in the dark with only $5 left to my name who asked me to make cupcakes for all of her clients. That was going to be 600 cupcakes and I didn't have any any money to take the order when I heard God say, but I feed birds and they don't toil for anything or store up in barns. And so I decided to take the $5 that I have as I was stuffing cash in envelopes in the back of my mm-hmm. house just trying to do this Dave Ramsey baby step plan where you would snowball your way out of debt. And all I had was $5 and I hadn't even allotted anything for my children to eat when she knocked on the door. And so I decided to take a gamble and take that $5 and go to the store and buy what I could. I turned it into 60 that day. I took that 60, I put the five back that I started with and went back to the store and turned that 55 into 600 by the end of the week. And that is the money that I've been flipping for 17 years. I did this with no debt. I did it with no knowledge of the business. I did it with no experience. I did it with no loans. And I've used that same seed money to create what I've created today. That is a message right there. That is a message. And I'm glad you keep driving that home because I know for myself, one of the things I like to repeat is done is better than perfect. Even still, Mm -hmm. there are times you're going to buck up against, (laughs) for lack of a better word, you're just going to keep confronting this thought that, oh, I can't do this next phase of my life, this next phase of my business until I get this perfect. And you just have to keep on using what you have in that moment. So thank you for reminding us of that. Like, yes, you can get better. You know, I'm sure your marketing budget now and what you do now is way different than when you had (laughs) $5. But if you hadn't started with that $5, you wouldn't be here now. Besides word of mouth, how did you really start to beef up your marketing? I would say that my children were my biggest cheerleaders Mm -hmm. and they were the ones that were going out doing whatever they could. They would come after they would come after school. They would help me by and and all I could pay them was whatever was it. (laughs) whatever was in the tip jar. That's all I could pay them, whatever's in the tip jar. And Mm -hmm. so we would make these little flyers. I have a background in mass media and photography. And so I, I was my own photographer. 
I was my own PR. I had a degree in journalism that I could use. So all these things that I had available to me came back to serve me. And we would make these little flyers. And we're on this street where there's a really popular restaurant in our block. And okay. people would be milling around and waiting, and that restaurant didn't have any dessert. And so my son would go down there, and he got permission to talk to the people. And he would invite them down to eat cupcakes with his mom. And those people would come, and they would bring the whole table with them. Because the way the <laughs> restaurant is set up is that you would eat with strangers, and you'd yeah. pass the food around. And so oh. you'd eat until you were full, and those people would get up to this day, when you go down there to eat, you'll meet a stranger and there'll always be a conversation that leads you down the street to the cupcake collection. And it was something that my 15-year-old son started people out doing. Wow. Just trying to get people to hear about what his mother was doing down the mm -hmm. street. And now people know, I'm sure they have it on TripAdvisor, like, <laughs> go here and then make sure you go here. <laughs> yes, um, yes. Wait, we won so an I'm, award from TripAdvisor, too. Get out. I'm not surprised. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm a little confused. <laughs> okay. When you opened, were you opening out of your home or how did you afford this storefront if it wasn't out of your home? Yeah, that's such a great question. We we opened inside of our house. It was okay. my husband's former man cave that I <laughs> used to make my storefront. I okay. didn't want to open it in my house. I wanted uh -huh. some, you Separation. know, storefront somewhere else. Right. Yeah, I, I wanted to be able to go to work and all of that kind of stuff. But I couldn't afford those things. But our mm -hmm. home was zoned mixed use. So because I had a separate door that could, people could come through that I could use that room as my bakery. Ah. And I, so this is what I want somebody to hear who may not have a home they already have or something like what I used. Everybody has a measure that they can start with. Mm -hmm. Everybody has something. There is nobody who starts with nothing, has right. nothing that they can use. Everybody right. has a measure of something, a gift, a talent that they can use to get them started. And mm -hmm. I had a house that was condemned when I bought it. My children and our whole entire family, we put in the sweat equity to fix this house up. We moved into it. It was two rooms and a half bathroom. And the half bathroom was a toilet and a tub. Like that was the grit of my family. And so we used what we had to get us to wear we needed to be. And it was in 2005 that we acquired the property, 2008 that we opened the business. So we didn't know when we, when we bought this house that that's what our lives was going to be. I didn't even like being in the kitchen at the time. But yeah. I, in the process of hearing this man on the radio say that we could get out of debt, it could help our family. We were also cleaning up and fixing up this house with whatever little bits and pieces and going to Habitat for Humanity and picking up stuff from off the side of the road. There is a case for my cupcake display that we got for free from a renovation that was happening on the corner. And so yeah, it was a transient window <laughs> that was on the ground. And yeah. I asked them, could I have it? And we built that and made it into our cupcake case. So it was a matter of using what we had in our hands mm -hmm. and nothing was nothing was too good for us to try. 
Yep. And that's what I, that's what I'm hoping people will hear. Yes, I can do all these things now, but that's not where I started. You know what I hear too? It's this idea of you have more than you think you do, or you have more opportunities than you might realize. And I always say this thing to new moms of like, your village is bigger than you know, because I Mm -hmm. know when I became a new mom, I started talking to people that I hadn't spoken to in years, you know, just Mm -hmm. off that connection of being a new mom. We all of a sudden were bonding through Instagram DMs and things like that. Your Mm -hmm. village is bigger than you know. When you're starting a business, you might not have this storefront, but what can you use? You know, let's brainstorm, like sit down and really think about, all right, but what can I do? How can I remix that concept? And I have more, and I want you to start thinking that I have more than I think I do. Because having that frame of mind really works. I heard a friend of mine say it like this. When it's in your head, it's an idea. When you write it down, it becomes a plan. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's like, write, write the vision and mm-hmm. make it make plain it so that others make can run mm-hmm. and not pass out trying to make your dream come true, right? <laughs> and so there's somebody who, you know, who is listening that has been waiting for some some big event to happen in order for them to start. And yeah. I just want to be that example that you don't have to wait. Start right now with what you have and get to where you're going. Right. And I think the reason sometimes that we wait for this big event to get started is because we're also expecting that it's supposed to pop right when we start. So we're like, we can't possibly launch here because how am I going to have my big, you know, launch party? How am I going to have this Instagrammable thing if I do this? Like, no, 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 no. That's not going to happen either. It's not going to go from zero to a million dollars either. So, you know, once you level set those expectations, you give yourself permission to start and you're like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. That's not real life. That's just Instagram highlight reel. Okay. <laughs> so I can start here. It's not really yeah. doesn't actually look like that to launch a business. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not necessarily pretty mm-hmm. at first. Yep. And that's, you know, it's, it's also not necessarily sweet either. Mm-hmm. And the things that were happening to me in my life weren't sweet. I was losing everything, including wow. my marriage. After 21 years, my husband asked me for a divorce when I opened up this cupcake collection. Was it because of the stress of the business? No, it just it just was he had other ideas that he wanted to pursue and they didn't include me. Oh, okay. (laughs) But after after 21 years, it was like, you know what? I'm a yeah. (laughs) I mean, I can laugh now because he who Mm -hmm. laughs, she who laughs Mm -hmm. lasts. Oh, laughs yes. the best. Ooh, he laughed um, himself but, out of a bag. <laughs> <laughs> and I thank God. I thank mm-hmm. God for it because mm-hmm. I, I was a stay-at-home mom. I did it. I, my question to him was, How am, what am I supposed to do? You want to leave. What am I supposed to do? My life has been caring for this family and for your children. What mm-hmm. am I supposed to do? And so we decided to get the bakery opened. And in the process of getting the bakery open, you know, sometimes you just life happens. And when things start going well, you know, we kind of just stayed and it would be about, I think it was about seven more years before we actually went through with our divorce five or seven years later before. No, it was about seven years later before we actually went through the divorce. Wow. And so at that point, did you stay in that house or was it, you know, 
like, okay, this is, we are able to move somewhere else and keep that as just a storefront for the business. Yeah. As the business grew, it pushed us further and further out of the house. And so, so now the bakery contains the entire house and we live separately from the bakery. CEO School, hosted by Sonera Madani, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. CEO School is committed to closing the gap and helping more women level up by sharing stories and strategies from powerful women in leadership. Because as Sonera likes to say, nothing bad happens when women make more money. I was recently checking out her episode, The Big Pitch. And in this episode, Sonera teaches the ins and outs of a professional consultant and attention-grabbing PR pitch. So you get to learn the power of third-party validation through earned media as Sonera shares insider tips on making your brand shine and how to establish yourself as a thought leader by harnessing the incredible influence of publishing your own content. So listen to CEO School wherever you get your podcasts. So your team has obviously grown Tell us about the process of hiring and scaling your business and your team. What was that process like for you? Yeah. So hiring is really funny because I started out with my children. I would get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. And And tell people how many kids you have. Because I know you keep saying that. And I don't think people realize (laughs) you have, you literally have a whole workforce. So (laughs) that was easy. (laughs) I have seven children. And so I started out with them. It was they would come home after school and help me clean up and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And they were the they were the first workers that I had. I would get up at two o'clock in the morning just to go in there and start working to thinking that people were going to just bum rush the store. Everybody knew that a bakery was coming soon and they just didn't. And I would sit there Mm -hmm. a lot of times by myself. It was people who would discover us or who had discovered us before would sit there for hours with me and say, oh, this is so great. And they would go out and tell other people. And those people would sometimes come behind the counter and say, girl, scoot over. Let me help you. I I began to make friends very easily. And friends I still have today that have been Mm -hmm. so good to me who just wanted to help the Cupcake Collection to grow. And it was a customer who was coming in here all the time for our <laughs> our wedding cake cupcake because she believed yes. that you could tell a bakery on their basics, that if, if you could get white cake right, you could do anything. And so she was a chef. And Mm -hmm. one day we just asked her if she would like to work with us. And so she did. And it's some of the things that she implemented for us from the beginning that we're still using today because I just didn't know what I was doing. I was just what kind of things was she implementing? So she showed us how to take inventory in as far as like taking orders. We would oversell all the time. And so she showed us how to separate those orders from the things that Mm -hmm. we were giving to the front of the house. So she created Uh a front of house and back of house. And it it was just her systems for baking and parting out things that Mm -hmm. showed us the demand. When I first got started, it was market research was looking out the window, seeing somebody (laughs) over there who needed a cupcake in their hand and me racing outside to say, hey, listen, would you try it? I'll give it to you if you'll try it. 
And I, I began to give the product away and those people would come back and offer me money for that same product. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. the way that I also got my first employees, my children would bring their friends home from school. Hey, you want to, I'll see if my mom will hire you and they, their friends will come <laughs> and their friends would work. Yeah. And those kids, some of those kids are still with me today, all these years later. Wow. So I'm really excited about what we were able to do. I wanted to show people what good business looks like. And I wanted to light the way for other people to know what they could do if only they believed. And those same children, I let them know, listen, when my ship comes in, you are getting on the boat. And they believed me and they stayed with me. And I helped them to climb the corporate ladders that they wanted to be a part of. And so when they left, I held their hand leaving as far as like writing recommendations for them wherever they wanted to be because they helped me to create a company that had a reputation that I could stand on. And I wanted to give them something that they could stand on too. And so as they went on to other things, I opened doors for them from people that I knew and they would come back and they would hold the door open for somebody else who needed to get in. Nice. And that's how nice. we built, that's how we built the business as far as on the on the employee side. And I love that distinction about having to create a system, having to really think through demand and inventory and, you know, back of house versus front of house. It's not something that you immediately think about, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people who are going into a food-based business, they're thinking about how does it taste? We're thinking about, we got to get people to like this. <laughs> but once they're coming in, <laughs> you you have to systematize yes. how you do things. So you're not wasting food, you know, and so you're not always running out of food either. Mm -hmm. Amen. That, I love that, that you shared you that. You were so right. I was just worried about what it was going to taste like. Cake mm -hmm. is my love language and I wanted to speak it fluently. <laughs> and so I wanted it to be something that people were going to really, really love. And with my name attached to it, my name is so unique. I just wanted yeah. people to have, you know, say my name and it'd be something that they enjoy calling my name for. So you're right. right. All I thought about was what it was going to taste like. I felt like if it was good, they would come. What I also knew is that I wanted to pay Caesar what belonged to him. That There's a Bible verse that says, pay Caesar what belongs to Caesar. So I knew I wanted mm -hmm. to be able to afford my taxes and I wanted yes. to be able to have an accountant. So that's the first hire that I made. The first hire I made was to get an accountant on, on the team who was counting my Excellent. money and then yes. saying, okay, this is what you need to do with your money. And this is when you'll be able to afford somebody. And that's how I was able to make a company that had a good firm foundation because I hired a, an accountant and then a tax attorney right after that. And how did you find those people? So my accountant went to church with me and then mm -hmm. the tax accountant that we had was a customer of ours. And her husband was, he just liked the business and just said, hey, I want to introduce you to my wife. And she was a tax attorney. And so that's how we met her. You're only about six degrees from the next person who's anointed to right. help you. Somebody your network, is your village there. is bigger than you think. Yep. <laughs> and you probably it's know bigger somebody than you who think. knows somebody. Yeah. yeah. And, and now this is a disclaimer not to say hire everybody in your network. <laughs> still vet them just because, you know, you know, the homies and accountant. Yeah. <laughs> still got to vet them. Still need those certifications. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about money. These first few years, 
what was your experience? Now, you know, your marriage is, is failing, so you really need to make money at this mm-hmm. point. Um, a lot of people are losing money in the first few years of the business. What was your experience? Were you profitable? Were you just breaking even? Were you able to take a salary? What was going on? Yeah, so, you know, flour, sugar, butter, and eggs was a very cheap commodity back then. Okay. So <laughs> we started out with our cupcakes being only a dollar fifty. And no way. So I You should come to New York. You know how much cupcakes are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and back then people would tell me, I'd pay you more for this. They mm-hmm. always told me I'd pay you more for this. And that made yep. them want to come and buy more from it. So we were always yes. we were always profitable from day one. Mm-hmm. There because we were in our home. We didn't have overhead. We were already Uh using the electricity. I began to be able to help make ends meet right away. So I would take the money that I made from the day and I would part some out to go buy more ingredients. And then I would save some in order to, you know, pay taxes. I would always I would always save different envelopes. So that same envelope system that I was working on when the first customer knocked on the door was the envelope system I was using to build my business. So we were nice. always profitable from the beginning because we didn't have any credit that we could use to get into debt with, right? Mm-hmm. So I would go and buy some ingredients and from what I what I made in the day, I would put some aside. Now listen, it didn't become big piles of money at first either. I used to have $17 days. I remember, you know, sitting on my chair and saying, God, I mean, I thought people were going to come. I thought this is what you told me to do. And my husband had called to check on me one day and asked me how things were going. And I got ready to open my mouth and complain about it. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I said, you know what? Whatever it is, God sent it. So I'm going to be grateful for it. And my life changed that day. It was that day that I never had a $17 day again. We, we, we got a $50 day. Then we got our first $100 day. I remember our first $1,000 day, our first $10,000 day. Yes. Because all along, I was grateful for everything that came, knowing that if it came, it wasn't a surprise to God. And I thanked God for every person that came through that store, believing that they were sent there. And I would take the money that they were bringing me and I would make sure that I paid my bills first. And if I paid for the things first, then everything else was mine. And that has also been the same philosophy that carried us through the pandemic. One of the things that I looked at as we were going into a recession, because I opened my business during a recession. So when people were talking about being recession proof, it's like, well, wait a minute. I opened a business with no money during a recession. recession. (laughs) (laughs) I only know recession-based businesses. (laughs) And the way that I did it was I looked to the past to inform my future. Mm -hmm. If nothing is new under the sun, then nothing is new under the sun. And that's got to include this bakery business, right? And so I looked at the Great Depression and I saw how they were doing money. And I saw Mm -hmm. that the people who were cash rich, who didn't have a lot of debt, were the names that you still know today. The Procter & Gamble's, the Hilton Hotels, the, the people who make Tide, you know, dish soap. These were the people, Sears and Roebuck, like these were the people who were thriving in a great depression because they were able to make loans to the people who didn't have any cash. And when they were able to call their loans back, when things turned right side up, 
they began to be wealthy and those names are still here today. Yes. Oh, I love that you say that. I love talking about that because cash is cash is truly king. Yeah. We, we hear a lot about just so many aspects of wealth and building and all of that. But, you know, when you're running your business day to day, you got to be able to have cash flow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like first and foremost, establishing how are we going to make sure that we have cash flow because yeah. a business with no cash is, is that really yeah. a business? So true. And I believe that's been one of the guiding principles for me at the cupcake collection. I'm not even in debt to my employees. So what I do with my team is they're paid every seven days. There's a reason okay. for that because when I was struggling, I couldn't see my way 14 days from now, especially when I got mm. paid today and I used all my money and I don't have anything left. And I yeah. believe that you could figure out two days or you could figure out five days. You might be able to hustle up. Hey, can I eat at your house? Can I, can I have the leftovers? Whatever you need to do yeah. for five to seven days. But when it starts being 14 days and 21 yeah. days and 30 days, it's too much. So it's I decided much. a long time ago that I would never forget where I came from. And so, I made it such and it costs me more money to do it this way because every time mm -hmm. you run a payroll it costs you yep. in taxes it costs you in running that payroll but it's my commitment to my team that I'm going to make sure they're paid every single week from what it is that they brought in the the week before and on top of that I'm sharing profits with them so when I say wow. when my ship comes in you're getting on the yep. boat. I'm doing it right now. So they're sharing, yes. they're sharing in the profits of how we grow. So their hard earned labor, they get to see that. They get to see the fruits mm -hmm. of their labor and they get to celebrate with the cupcake collection. So when when I win, they win too. We're bringing joy to all of America. On Good Morning America. That is deep. That really is unique. You really don't hear people say that. They they do that kind of mm -hmm. system. And you're so right about how when you're going paycheck to paycheck every 14 days, yeah. if you're lucky enough to have a paycheck come in every 14 days, it is stressful. It is a mm -hmm. long wait. And I'm sure that helps to keep and maintain good employees. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> when it, you have the system going. <laughs> yeah, it does. It it does help you keep good people, but at the same time, it makes them be willing to invest back in you. When we yes. when we saw ourselves going into the pandemic, they were afraid. Yeah. They didn't know what yeah. was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen. And the government was offering them a better opportunity to leave me and go sit at home and take a pay paycheck. And I went to those same employees and I said, listen, don't leave me. I can do, I can at least do out of my savings what the government is willing to do for you. So if you stay with me, I'll make sure that I match what they're willing to do. And they still could have left because there came a point where the government said, you know, we we'll even give you more to sit at home. <laughs> but yep, my yep, team yep. didn't take it. My team stayed with me and they did odd jobs for the business. So that that meant delivering cupcakes here and there. They did it. If that meant, you know, taking mm -hmm. a phone into their house and answering the phones at home, they did it and they did whatever, whatever was needed. And when we got right side, right side up and when the government started helping out companies like mine who kept all of that, we kept all of our team employed. 
We didn't lose anybody during the pandemic because we couldn't afford it. We grew that during that time and we realized that people needed comfort that they could control. And cake mm-hmm. was one of those things that they chose that because mm-hmm. a 10 year old oh, doesn't yeah, we know were all it's a pandemic. During the pandemic. <laughs> we were all eating during the pandemic. <laughs> one thing we didn't stop doing. <laughs> yes. So when we got it's right indulgent. side up, I was able to pay them back for the cuts that they took in order to mm-hmm. stay with me just because Mm -hmm. I wanted them to know that I appreciated it. Now, let's talk about the operations. So what shifted in your business operation-wise from when you had $17 days to when you had (laughs) $10,000 days? I think... I think that we are still doing things the way that we had done them before. And that's what I want. I want others to also know that when you Mm -hmm. become successful, it doesn't mean that your problems go away. It just means that you have bigger problems. You know, Mm -hmm. it just means that you have more of those things. So we added more locations ultimately to the cupcake collection. And so as we've added more locations, we've learned how to get up earlier, but nothing has changed. It's been the same way that we've done it in the beginning is the same way that we're Mm -hmm. doing it right now. I mean, more so um, when you're fulfilling, you know, 20 orders a day versus when you, like you said, have more locations now and you're fulfilling thousands of orders a day. That scale of operations has to change like whether it's staffing whether it's um, assembly line whether it's making more cupcakes the night before yeah how does how does that shift so when i say we're still doing it the same way we we're still getting up and baking them fresh every single day. But one thing Mm -hmm. that I would say that we are doing besides having added more people, we are a very small team that does a very large volume. One thing I did add, like from the beginning, in the beginning we were doing things like using an adding machine and then we added something by toast now. And so everything is handled as far as cashier wise it's handled on a machine that also connects and talks with our website and so we have a marketing team who is making sure that seo is optimized and all of that there's somebody who is responsible for the social media and marketing whereas before it was just me and my kids making flyers and walking (laughs) you know (laughs) up and down the street the one thing that i would say that we added that was just the intuition of who i am Mm -hmm. and my science background background is I modified a donut filler because I realized that donut fillers were doing the operation that I needed them to do in scooping cupcakes that if okay. I could get See, the viscosity this is what I want to hear <laughs> tell me about it tell me about it <laughs> if I could get the viscosity of my mix to go uh-huh. through a funnel and in through like a little depositor that I could make a machine to deposit cupcakes so I modified a donut filler like what they put the cream inside of a filled mm-hmm. donut Mm-hmm. I modified one of those to be a cupcake depositor for me. So instead what? of us scooping cupcakes one at a time, mm-hmm. you can now scoop cupcakes 
four across at a time through a machine okay. that is making every single one the exact same size what? so that you're no longer having mm-hmm. to worry about that human error of, oh, I, you know, like when you go to ice cream parlor mm-hmm. and they scoop the ice cream out. Yes. You, eventually you get really good when you're doing this all the time. But I wanted to make sure that it was exactly the same yes. every single time. And especially as we were looking at wanting to show possible investors that we wanted to take on because people mm-hmm. wanted to buy franchise opportunities into oh. the business. And so yeah. we wanted to be able to show them we wanted to not have waste and we wanted okay. to show them how it's being done. So I haven't been able to figure out yet how to ice the cupcakes like that yet okay. because our product really is butter and sugar. You know what I mean? Yes. It's not yes. it's not thinned out by lard or shortening or anything like that. Uh-huh. And it's not a, whi- a whip topping uh-huh. or anything. So this is really what Still, my grandma This was sounds doing. like a patent <laughs> waiting to happen. If it hasn't happened yet, we can figure out the other layer, added a new patent once we figure that out. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and you mentioned investors. So um, before we jump into the lightning round, I'm interested to know, as you opened up new locations. What did that look like from an investment point of view? Did you have to take on investors financially? How did you do that? So I bootstrapped everything. So as Mm -hmm. I began to grow my business, I kind of got arrogant about it, right? As Mm. people wanted to give me things, I didn't want to take it because it (laughs) felt like when I needed it, nobody would help me. So I'm going to continue to help myself. And so I I bootstrapped everything. But then I began to learn that I didn't want to use my money. I should use other people's money to get me from where I am to where I want to be. And I got connected to a really smart uh, woman who is a president for a particular bank here in Tennessee who began to teach me about money and her whole team began to teach me that we were the first generation of African-Americans with access to wealth transference outside of insurance policies and Mm -hmm. that my children would be the first generation of African-Americans with access to wealth transference with businesses and property being left to them and being the daughter of a man that was born on a plantation. My father was born on a plantation in 1947 in New Orleans Mm -hmm. um, well, outside of New Orleans. So mm-hmm. being the being the descendant of enslaved people from a sugarcane plantation and knowing that today we make a living and are leaving a legacy for our children's children from the spoils of a sugarcane plantation or, or from sugarcane being farmed, it is not lost on me what we have been able to create and now how we want to amplify that even further. So we have been working the model to be able to give other people an opportunity to open cupcake collections across the country. And so we did our first one in New Orleans on my sweat equity model because I know that a lot of times we don't have the cash we don't have mm-hmm. the money in order to invest but we we have the sweat or we have the grit that it would take and so I, I wanted to see what that would look like for people and now I'm getting ready to take in my first set of investors on my next location that I'm working on right now so this is going to be a first for me oh, um, but I found, a, Congratulations. I found a, like, yes. a like-minded family who are doing something similar in another industry who now want to bring what they have to to amplify what we're able to do. Thank you so much for sharing your own family's journey. And I mean, it's it's not dissimilar to, <laughs> to all of ours in, 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 in different mm-hmm. ways, but just in understanding what you are able to do 
with taking on investors. I'm going to jump into the lightning round. Um, you I'm know, so excited about talking. this. I know. We could, I could keep talking to you for... That's a whole other episode, right? So you guys, let, <laughs> let me know if you if you want a, a dedicated episode on taking on investment in your business and considerations and all that good stuff. I might need to bring back a roundtable of uh, my favorite guests. But for now, <laughs> we're jumping into the lightning round. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. I'm excited. Alrighty. So number one, what is a resource in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? So one of the resources that I would say I would use is People Capital. My mother was retired from her company after 35 years being offered an executive level position. She worked her way up from being a secretary all the way to that point. And so sometimes we don't look around to see what knowledge is available to us. So I always look to my elders in order to advance my future. And that was I wonder if that can be a resource that I use because I set at their feet and learned from what they did in order to get to where I want it to be so people we'll, capital is yeah, we'll what i that. use and i like that you know people capital I've, of course you hear human capital but more in a corporate mm-hmm. sense so i like that you, yeah. you brought it back to that reminder yeah. um, number two who is a non-celebrity black woman entrepreneur who you would want to switch places with for a day and why yeah, I would love to switch switch places with Delisa Garrier. She is um, a black woman who is one one of the few that are certified as a contractor in Tennessee for all commercial things. So from residential to commercial mm-hmm. and industrial, and she's getting ready to um, open a theme park based on literacy because that what? because of the need in this area for our children to still learn to read so she's she's opening up a theme park based around literacy and i'm so excited for her and because i want to go sit for my contractor's license mm-hmm. she would be the person that i would love to change places with uh just for a day she's so smart and yes. she was one of the youngest to be inducted into the hall of fame in her industry so yeah that's who i would want to change places with See? delisa Garrier. I just love this question because I learn about (laughs) someone new every single time. Um, Number three, what's a non-negotiable part of your day these days? Yeah, I wake up every morning when I open my eyes. I thank God for waking me up and giving me another opportunity to get it right. I ask him a question before I start the day, before I put my feet on the ground. I ask a question I I fully intend and expect God to answer for me before I put my feet back into my bed. And that's a thing that I would never want to be able to miss my time with God every day because he's the one Mm. that gives me these ideas in the first place. Mm. Number four, (laughs) what is a personal trait about you that has helped you significantly in your business? I would think it's my smile. I've been smiling like everyone (laughs) is watching for a really long time. (laughs) It's something I talk about in my book, Made from Scratch, Finding Success Without a Recipe, is that I hope you will smile like everyone is watching. When I was losing everything I had, I was still smiling. When I'm in that gym and I don't feel like going because I need to elongate my life and because my cholesterol is high because it, because naturally from my legacy, it's that way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still smiling when I was getting divorced and I was, and and I was going through a very nasty divorce. I was Mm. still smiling because when people ask you how they're doing, it's sort of how you're doing. It's sort of like a rhetorical question. How are you today? They really don't want to know. 
And so I decided that I would let my smile be what people needed because those people would come back and bring me what I needed. Mm -hmm. And so I started giving out hugs and smiles no matter how I felt on the inside. Yes. (laughs) That's an important reminder. And I Mm -hmm. love smiling too. (laughs) And finally, (laughs) um, number five. So now what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are worried about losing that steady paycheck? Oh my gosh, becoming an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you're going to be your own boss. It means that so many more people are going to be the boss of you. (laughs) But I want them to know that it truly is the access to freedom. I believe that being an entrepreneur is freedom at its finest. And I would say whatever it takes to get there, take it. I teach my team that that I am not their boss. I am their client because they Mm -hmm. are in the business of their own labor. So even Mm -hmm. if they only have one client that being me, the cupcake collection, they still are in charge of their lives. And so for them, they understand to look at my business differently because they are in charge of themselves. Yes. And so I would say that getting becoming an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you'll get to be your own boss, but it does mean that you get to serve a lot more people. And when you come with an attitude of service, it leaves room for a lot to fall into your hands. Amen. Amen. That is quite a note to end on. And I think it's such a powerful reminder. Uh, I saw a quote recently about in some that it's really not about the money. It's about getting to live life on your own terms. And I always tell you guys how much flexibility and freedom has been so helpful for me these last few years, especially since becoming a mom. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. So I'm going to do what I need to do (laughs) to keep being able to have that freedom. So that was a word, what you just said. Now, where can people continue to get these gems to continue to connect with you, Mignon, and the Cupcake Collection after this episode? Yes. Thank you for asking. So they can hop on Amazon and purchase my new book made from scratch finding success without a recipe and then reviewing it there propels it into higher heights they can also visit instagram and find me on mignon.francois that's m-i-g-n-o-n dot f-r-a-n-c-o-i-s and then the cupcake collection at the cupcakecollection.com we ship our cupcakes nationwide and we've been voted as the best cake in tennessee the best Uh cake in louisiana and we're ranking in the top 10 in the entire nation okay hello hello there you have it guys we're gonna link all of that get your cupcakes all right and thank you again for being in the guest chair it was an absolute pleasure and there you have it Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.